Hi there, Michael Zuber. Thanks for listening to the One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that the book One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible? Yes, to all my podcast listeners out there, One Rental at a Time is now available on Audible. Go check it out and please leave a five-star review. Have a great day. Hey everyone, it is Monday, 8 a.m. Pacific, and that means our expert series of the week kicks off, and we always bring Greg Dickerson to the show to kick us off. How are you doing, Greg? I'm doing great, Michael. How are you? I'm doing very well. Still shelter in place. Uh, it's, hey, man. it's seventh week, eighth week now. It's getting a little bit long in the tooth for me, I tell you. Yeah, we're eight weeks in in Virginia, and I think you started on your own two weeks before oh, me. So ten weeks now. You guys oh. were like, you know what? We're done. Yeah. So yeah, you're you're about ten to twelve weeks in, I think, and uh, they still have not, um, you know, opened us up to phase one yet. You know, where you can go back and get your hair cut, which you know yeah. I, I really need <laughs> that. and um, uh, you know, nail salons and bowling alleys. That's the first three that they want to get open. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, so it's pretty interesting stuff going on. Um, one thing yeah. I know I wanted to talk about. I actually read a headline that I I thought of you this morning. Um, I believe there's going to be a lot of opportunity to buy discounted notes first, first or yeah. second, but probably first. And the reason I thought of you is because um, it's kind of in your sweet spot, given what, what I know about your background. So WeWork, which is a company that almost went public and now is very likely going to go bankrupt here in a, in a minute. Uh, they have a $240 million mortgage on an office building in San Francisco. I just read today that it's trading in the CMBS market at 73 cents on the dollar, which means that $240 million note is worth roughly $165 million in today's dollars. Mm -hmm. And I suspect lots of significant buildings are going to be retraded, not in the market like you and I, or like my listeners think about the MLS and LoopNet and all of that. They're going to retrade in the bond market, essentially, at discounts. So I just thought I would ask you about that. What do you think? Is it a sign of things to come? How do you get connected with that? Just all of that. I thought I read that. I'm like, I got to ask Greg about that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we talked last week about, you know, what happens when a CMBS loan goes into default. This is one of the things that can happen. The note can get traded before the property, you know, ever actually goes into foreclosure and all that. So um, discounted notes are a tricky business, okay? So number one, you got to understand, you know, how this is done. Usually it's bought in bulk by the big equity outfits, hedge funds. They'll go in and buy, you know, hundreds of millions to, you know, potentially a billion dollars worth of notes uh, mm -hmm. that have been packaged up in the CMBS. So when you buy a non-performing note, the difference is between that and buying an asset. I like to buy assets, okay? Mm -hmm. After they've gone through the foreclosure process, then I know exactly what I've got, exactly what needs to be done, and exactly what it's worth. The problem with buying a note is you don't know what you're really buying. So mm -hmm. what you just said, it's trading at 70 cents on the dollar. Okay, well, what does that really mean? Do you mm -hmm. really know how much the building is worth? What kind of work does it need, does it need to be done? I mean, the elevators could, could need work. You know, you have all the repurposing of the space. Mm -hmm. The building maybe you know, uh, deferred maintenance on a building like that could cost you, you yeah. know, tens of millions of dollars, depending on how long it's been, you know, vacant and in default, you know, and mm -hmm. abandoned, you know, if it is. Uh, those types of things. So there's a lot of things you got to take into consideration before you could really place a real value on the asset. So let's say it traded at 200 million, you can buy the note for 70 cents on the dollar. So that's 140 million. For all we know, the retail value could be 50. You know, yeah, the street value true. of that product could be 50 or 70. So when you buy a note, unless you understand and fully underwrite the underlying asset, you don't really know what you're buying. So that's mm -hmm. number one. Number two, 
you buy that note, then you have to get it performing and or foreclosed. Yeah. So you've now taken on the headache of the servicer. So understand in the CMBS world, what happens is money comes from life insurance, head, uh, pension funds, investment funds, endowment funds, sovereign wealth funds. It comes with the institutional investor level where they give money to a fiduciary that is either a direct lender or a servicer that in turn lends that money out. They create the mortgage notes and all that. They lend the money out and they collect the payments, manage the, you know, manage the assets in terms of the, you know, the loan collections, insurance taxes, all that. <clears throat> so you have to become a servicer or you've got to hire a servicer to now get that note performing, work it out or foreclose on the property. And you've got all the legal issues and headaches and costs associated with that. So the note business at a very high level requires a lot of expertise and an understanding of the underlying assets of that note. Yeah. So really what I'm hearing you say is you've, you've it, really buying, buying a building or buying a note, uh, the process is really the same. You have to be able to underwrite it. But when you buy a note, you assume other risks is what I hear mm -hmm. you saying, right? Because you got to get it performing, yeah. you know, what's there. It could actually have liens, right? In theory, it could have liens, right. contractor liens and all these other things that you thus, you, be, you know, it, now they're your headache. Is that true? Exactly. You know, in terms of you owning the note, it's still the, the you know, Position, underlying yeah. mm -hmm. note guarantor owner of the property. It's still really their issue in terms of lien problems and all that. Yeah. But in order for you to foreclose, Correct. you know, um, you know, then it becomes a process. It's not your problem. You just wipe it out in foreclosure. So right. when you foreclose on a property, it wipes out all the liens. So, um, except for taxes, you know, in some states. So, right. you know, that, that's the, the thing you got to watch out for there. You know, the problem is you got to foreclose. And usually yeah. these notes are sold, you know, in bulk and packages. So, you know, sometimes you can pick and choose what you want. Sometimes you don't know what you're going to get. Um, and this goes all the way down. So this can be first lien positions, first, you know, mortgages, deeds of trust on commercial, residential, any property. It could be a mm -hmm. second. It can be a third. Uh, it can be a credit, you know, credit line. Mm -hmm. So like if you have an unsecured or secured line of credit at your bank and it's mm -hmm. not performing, banks will sell those notes off. And then there's a collection agency that comes in or an investor that then tries to get that note performing, you know, so they're taking a risk. Now those sell off way cheaper than, you know, real, yeah. real asset notes. So it works in a lot of you know, auto loans, you know, it works in a lot of different sectors, non-performing notes or non-performing notes. It could be anything. Mm. Yeah. Very, very cool. So I think this is just going to come out. I think it's going to be dominated probably in office and retail, certainly first, uh, because I just keep reading. So first off, rent collection and multifamily has far exceeded every expectation I heard coming into April and May. And, and you know, yeah. let's, let's knock on wood for June and July. But I think retail and office are getting smoked. I mean, I saw somewhere where retail collections like mall tenants uh, yeah. is under 30% for this month. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, you know, I mean, there's just nothing you can do, you know. So we'll just have to see if and when people can reopen. What does the traffic look like at that point? Are they able to pay anything at all, yeah. you know, uh, as they get reopened? So that, that's a big problem. But again, it's going to be kicked, you know, the can's going to be kicked down the road, you know, for a while. There's a lot of places that uh, are announcing on a daily basis that they're not going to be able to reopen. They're not going to sustain if they do reopen. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so there's going to be a lot of that um, stuff out there. So it's a little too early. If you're a note investor, it's not time yet. You, yeah, know, it's you not need time to get yet. to yeah. the end of this yeah. when you really know what's going on and, uh, you know, uh, really understand again, you know, what it is you're buying and how it works. Now, <clears throat> on that note, you know, just like, you know, hospital takeovers. So there's a strategy in the note business where uh, in good times, people will go in and buy notes 
mm-hmm. and then call the loan and then take the asset over when, yeah. the, when the borrower can't pay. So I know somebody who owned a bunch of hotels and his notes were totally performing. The notes got sold, okay, to another investor and the notes had an expiration date on it. And, um, you know, or so, I can't even remember why or what happened, but they came in and just called the notes on these guys. They couldn't refinance them, took over all the assets and got wow. into the hotels for, you know, pennies on the dollar. Wow. Know, totally performing note. They just bought them. Wow. So performing notes get sold all the time too. So understand, yeah. you know, a lot of people think of commercial real estate and the safety of it because you can get what's called non-recourse loans. So understand mm-hmm. when you close a mortgage, when you close a loan, whether it's commercial or residential, you're in technical default the day that you close. There's always some loophole, some fine print, some way that they could declare your loan in default from day one as soon as you close that loan for any number of reasons that makes you a target for somebody to come in and buy that note, take it over, call the note due if somebody takes it over. So you're always at risk. There is no such thing as, as you know, no risk, non-recourse debt. Yeah, and, and that's very commercial specific, right? Because that doesn't exist in residential, to my knowledge. Well, if you read your loan documents, Mm -hmm. you will find a lot of ways where you could be called in technical default Hmm. pretty quick because there's covenants and there's requirements in that loan. You have to keep a certain credit score, certain bank balance, certain, you know, this, that, and the other. You know what I mean? So if you drill down deep into those loan documents, I guarantee you, you'll find out, dang, you're in technical default on something. You didn't even know it. Ah, I'm not going to read my loan docs. Those things are ugly. <laughs> but they could, they could, they could trigger that clause. Oh, yeah, you know, I understand. Just like a do on sale clause. Yeah, yeah of it, course. It, you know, so yeah, yeah, just like insurance. Everybody says, oh, I don't mind. You know, I don't put assets in LLCs because I have a great insurance policy. I'm not worried about it. You know, if you read fine print on insurance policies, man, they, they've got ways of getting out of, you know, yeah. defending you if somebody sues you for liability. Yeah, for sure. So one of the things I know yeah. I'm going to be interested in today is after our Simon Properties reports. Obviously, Simon mm-hmm. Properties is the, the big mall operator. I think that's pretty much what they've done historically. But when I think about that, I actually start to, I'm starting to see REITs get in trouble, right? REITs have been the answer yeah. for lots of real estate investors who work full time. And they, maybe it's their 401k, right? I knew that was an option when I had a 401k. Was, I'm going to put it in, in a REIT was one of the options. And it, it just looks like the, the, what was thought to be an uber safe place to play REITs. Yeah. Not so much. Um, just curious what your thoughts are there. Yeah. There's a lot of, lot of REITs preparing for bankruptcy. Simon uh, is one of the largest mall owners in the country. Um, I think they're preparing and laying the groundwork for mm-hmm. a bankruptcy. Now understand what bankruptcy is, you know, it's protection. It's not necessarily going out of business and solvent. It's protection, right? Cause they're, mm-hmm. they're laying the groundwork to pair off these assets and get mm-hmm. rid of them. So um, I think, you know, they are among a num- number of REITs out there that are setting the table for this. And, you know, the other thing about REITs you got to understand, they're very highly leveraged. REITs are usually oh, yeah. more highly leveraged than the average investor. So, you know, when people think, you know, it's like Wall Street, man. Everybody thinks Wall Street's safe. You know, all oh, the market will come back. You know, we were just joking before this, you know, but serious. Friday, the market's up and they're like, hey, Wall Street, you know, the stock market's up on, you know, um, the economy reopening and all the hopes. And today it's down stock markets down on fears of the economy reopening. So it's like, are you kidding me? You know, it's like shake the dice. So I'm telling you, there's a handful of people that are trading money back and forth because they're getting it for free that are controlling the volume of the stock market. And when you drill down and look at what's driving the values, it's about four or five different stocks with tech companies 
that are really driving the momentum of the market. And, you know, if it wasn't for the Fed and all that, the market would be, you know, who knows where it'd be right now. So, um, you know, I'm glad it's up. I'm glad it's coming back. But I'm telling you, whoever's watching this, if we ever get back anywhere near where you were, get out because it's not going to last. It can't sustain. Um, We had a good 10 year run. So the argument is what's going to stop another 10 years of this artificial inflation and the Fed pumping money in, you know, that's propping it up. But man, some of that stuff has to come home to roost at some point because the economy just is not going to just bam, you know, here we are. Yeah. Well, you know, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin over the weekend was talking about the the true unemployment rate being 25%. Mm -hmm. Uh, And a lot of his headlines from Sunday were darn right scary. Um, Yeah. Well, you and I talked about that, what, three, four weeks ago when the first big wave hit, that the real effective rate back then was probably 30%, you know, Mm -hmm. when you count. Uh, sole proprietors, self-employed, you know, people that are underemployed, you know, yeah. people that can't get through the system. I mean, still today, there's millions of people that still have not been able to even get through yeah. the system. So sad. You know? Yeah. 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 You know, so it's, it's a lot more than, you know, it's probably closer to 30%, you know, yeah. if you, if you put the real hard numbers to it. For sure. One of the things that I keep going back to when we talk about stock markets and commercial real estate and all of this is, Two of the legends in the space, and now when I say legends, some of the people here are old white guys, but whatever. <laughs> um, Sam Zell and Warren Buffett, both have come out in the last 30 days and basically said, uh, we're sitting tight. There's been no price discovery uh, and no deals yet. And yet, yeah. the stock market's already 60% up from the bottom. And Carnival Cruise just got an upgrade this morning. And I mean, it's just, there's... It, you know, the Great Recession was a two-year journey to finding value. So to think that we found value in eight weeks is no, foolish. It's and then, fake. Yeah. It's, it's, it's artificial. It's pumped up by free money. It's pumped up by hedge funds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, again, Friday, another headline. You know, worst unemployment since the Depression. Market's up. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like, let's celebrate. We just got the worst, you know, unemployment numbers ever. You know, I mean, so it's, it's just silly. It's It's, you know... I used to call it legalized gambling. I don't even know that it's gambling now because it's not gambling for them. It's yeah. rigged. It's fixed. You know, there's a handful of people that are really controlling the shots there. They're sucking the retail investors in. They have everybody conditioned to think, oh, it'll come back. Don't get out. Yeah. Don't Buy sell. the dip. Buy the dip. <laughs> Buy the dip. Yeah. So, you know, you're buying somebody else's garbage. It's already overpriced, you know. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, yeah. you know, it, We'll see where it goes, but Sam Zell, I love Sam Zell. I mean, oh, he's yeah. awesome. He's the original syndicator. He invented that business, real yeah. estate syndication. If you For read sure. him and study his career, you can learn a ton from Sam Zell and apply it. You know, he's done billions of dollars worth of stuff. Oh, yeah. You can apply it to uh, any level, and he's done it in business as well with companies, just like he has in real estate. So I'm, I'm a little Sam Zell. You know, I've done a fraction of what he's done, but same kind of thing with companies in the real estate. So I've kind mm-hmm. of followed his career. Obviously, Warren Buffett, you know, um, unbelievable, you know, over his 40, 50 years, however long it's been, right. compound interest, right? Just stay in the course, long-term investor and just rolling dividends back in and compounding. Uh, you know, it's amazing what, what he's been able to do. And it's not rocket science. He bought Coca-Cola, he bought yeah. Apple, he bought, you know, insurance. He, American you know I mean? Express. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's pretty amazing, you know, how he's the only one that's really been able to do that. You know, that's, what's really amazing. You know, yeah. you would think, and I guess it's focused. You know, if there's any lesson learned, it's focus, it's pick a system and work that system. Whereas yeah. the rest of us, we do a little this, do a little that, go here, you know? Amen. Yeah, that's, that, that is so well said. I mean, the only thing I talk about when I talk to students is focus and consistent execution. I keep, I call it learn your market. 
which is what Sam Zell and Warren Buffett do. They learn their market. They stay in their lane, you know, and yeah. you know, when, when, when opportunities are there, they strike and they're comfortable. Here's the deal. Warren Buffett and Sam Zell are comfortable doing nothing, right? Most of us, they get a, we get a little scratch in our pocket. We want to freaking deploy it as soon as possible. And we're going to chase the carnival upgrade or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And no, I'm telling you being comfortable doing nothing it's hard. We're not conditioned to do it, but the great ones, that's what they do. They don't, they, they, well, yeah, they don't do that. So, you know, it's diversification too, right? So we're taught diversification. You gotta, you gotta have, you know, all these different things, but you know, here's something that I want everybody to understand. And this, this is the big takeaway of today. Look at the Titans of industry, you know, uh, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Bezos, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all of these people who have, who have created incredible, incredible things in their industry, they really were focused on one thing. Now within that one thing, they were, you know, they did a couple of different things that were diversified. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Richard Branson is probably the most, you know, um, scattered of them all with all the different things that he does in terms of, but he's very, been very successful. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, he focused on Virgin Brands. That yep. Was his Virgin is his thing. Yep. And then exactly. So Think about that. Think about the power of focus. Think about picking that one thing, that one, I love the one rental at a time. It just, it just plays into so many different things, right? You can take that one thing and go, 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 go. You know, I thought of you the other day, somebody sent me an email. Uh, there's developers out there building subdivisions for rent, yeah. which has kind of been a little thing here or there, but now it's becoming more and more of a major thing. Entire subdivisions of, you know, brand new nice houses that are strictly for rent. Yeah. Um, you know, it can be done at any level, you know, focus is 100% of the game. So pick something, get started, stay on it, blow it up and, you know, diversify within that one thing that's working, but stay focused. That's how the greats of our time, if you look at all of them have pretty much created, you know, their wealth and, and, you know, such huge businesses. Yeah. One of the quotes that's attributed to Buffett, but I'm not sure he actually ever said it, that, that I, that I frequently quote is diversification is meant for the lazy and lazy investor. What, you, what he does is he puts all his eggs in one basket and he watches the freaking basket. You know, right. I'm like, yeah. And of course, it, the quote that I saw didn't say freaking, it said a, a bad word, which is why I don't think Buffett ever said it because I never heard him swear. Um, no, no, you won't hear Buffett do that. But I've seen that quote. The other quote I've seen is diversification is for people who don't know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I, telling you, yeah. I, you know, I hear it in real estate syndication, right? There's people out there that are passive investors and their philosophy is, well, I'm going to throw, you know, money into, you know, 50 different syndicators and 50 different markets with 50 different things. So I'm safe. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, one of the, one of the reasons I'm convinced we're financially free today is because we didn't diversify. I used that quote for a decade because I kept getting asked, well, why are you staying in California? Why don't you go to Texas? Why don't you go to Nevada? Why don't you go to Tennessee? I'm like, no, I, I have this much time every day to work on my portfolio of rentals and I have to do my day job, right? I got to be a rock star mm-hmm. at my day job. I have this much time. I'm going to watch my freaking basket. I don't have time to, yeah. to take this and divide it in half. And oh, it's yeah. no. Now there's exceptions to every rule. So there are people that are serial sure. entrepreneurs that have been able to do well, you know, and things. But again, if you take the best of the best, most of them had one thing, one theme, um, you know, the billionaire level that mm-hmm. they focused on, you For know, sure. Donald Trump real estate, you know, uh, one of my mentors, Cal Turner Jr. was the uh, uh, grandson of the founder of Dollar General. And, uh-huh. you know, that's all 
all they did. That whole family, the Waltons, all they did, right? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Colonel Sanders, after, after a point, <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, Stuart Cathy with, uh, you know, Chick-fil-A, you know, Ray Kroc with McDonald's. I mean, over and over and over, all these different examples. Then you look at like a Tillman Fertitta, right? So Tillman Fertitta, billionaire, maybe people may or may not know him, but the billion dollar buyer on CNBC, you know, his thing, what a lot of people will say, well, he's in casinos, he's in restaurants, and it's hospitality. His yeah. thing is hospitality. He started with restaurants. How do you scale a restaurant? You open a bunch and you open hotels, hospitality. You know, hotels are, you know, a, uh, it's real estate with a retail component built in, yeah. you know, so, um, you know, that, that's how that works. So, you know, again, uh, you know, uh, Marcus Lemonis. You know, a lot of people see him doing a lot of things, but Camping World, that's been his thing. Camping right. World is what made him a billionaire. He focused 100% on, you know, that that niche. So, you know, you can over and over and over, you can see it, you know, how, how focus, um, uh, you know, is 100% of the game for these guys that are doing stuff at a high level. I wish I would have got that at a young age, you know. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I read, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, build businesses that generate cash flow to invest in other assets. And my philosophy is build a bunch of little businesses that generated a bunch of little income, you know, versus pick one and blow it up, you know? Right. That's funny. Well, you know, one thing I want to do as we wrap this one up is talk about just the economy. Cause I think this is, mm-hmm. you know, lots of people talk about V shape, U shape, L shape, Nike swoosh, you know, square root. I mean, all these freaking things. Um, you know, where, where do you, where do you kind of see this economy as we kind of crack open different States and cities uh, as we head into the end of the year, let's just talk about 2020. You, you, have you thought about that? What are you, what are you thinking? What, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So first of all, nobody knows. You yeah. know, so we're in an experiment. This is the great, you know, not the great depression, not the great, this is the great experiment, you know, of our, of our lifetime. Mm. So we really don't know. So there's two conversations. One is the markets and one is the economy. Yeah. And there's a huge disconnect right now. We've discussed the markets. You've already seen a V shape, right? Yeah. You've already seen it because that's the stock market. That's fake, it's artificial, and it's propped up by free money from the Fed. Now you have the real economy, what you and I live in every day when we go outside. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that is a very different animal. The money that is in Wall Street has not reached Main Street yet, okay? Every American in this country has not been given $100,000 that made Mm -hmm. below $100,000. That's what's happened in Wall Street. Mm -hmm. These billion-dollar companies, these large banks have been given hundreds of billions of dollars to lever up into the market. That's why you're seeing that. That's what would need to happen on Main Street to see a V-shaped recovery. The Fed would have to say, anybody who's under, they would have to match everybody's annual salary. Right. That's what they would have to do. We're going to send you for free the equivalent of your annual salary to restart the economy. Get out there and spend it. Mm. Now, the problem with that is, even if they did that, you know, let's say, Michael, you had 100000 in savings, and during this time, you burned through 30% of that. What are you mm-hmm. going to do as soon as you go back to work? Save. You know, you might play for a week or two, um, but you're going to build that savings back up before you go back to Europe, before you, mm-hmm. you know, take an expensive vacation, before you buy a new car, before you go buy, you know, whatever. You're going to build that savings back up because guess what? This could and will happen again. Yeah. Uh, everybody is telling us that this is just a precursor to what a real pandemic like uh, you know, like we've seen before, like Ebola or the Spanish flu or something like that, that just kills people in 24 hours mm. by the million could happen. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that this is just getting us ready. Now, I don't know, but the science is saying this, this isn't the only time this is going to happen. And this mm-hmm. is a small scale of what could happen. Yeah. Um, on our own path, you have to look at what's really going on. More people are getting out and about than I anticipated, you know, going back, but even still, it's going to be limited capacity. You know, there, there's yeah. not going to be huge events. There's not going to be 
you know, a lot of the big things that we saw before this shutdown until the end of this year, sporting events, all that kind of stuff. I think it's going to be next year if we get a vaccine, if we get a treatment and we can get to the other side of this before you see people coming back in mass, before you see global travel again on a recreational level, and before you see, you know, people really comfortable uh, once they've shored up their reserves again, you know, getting back out and spending, you know, extra money. Of course, there will be that, um, you, you know, that um, hibernation fever, cabin fever. People are going to get out and spend a bunch of money and do some things real quick. Yeah. Man, I ain't going back to the movies. I used to go every week. I'm not going in there. You know, I don't want to go out and eat in a restaurant where everybody's wearing masks, you know, mm-hmm. and all that. So, uh, you know, and I'm not flying to Europe because you can't. Yeah. So, you know, so there's going to be a limited amount. I think it's still a year, you know, to two years before you see any real trajectory on the upward trend, assuming everything is taken care of, vaccine treatment and all that. Mm-hmm. So I'd say, you know, within 18 months to two years, we're going to see 90% of where we were. Yeah. Yeah. For me, this is, uh, I like that great experiment. I think, I hope that takes off because I haven't seen that. I haven't heard that before. I think that's a great quote. This is the great experiment. For me, it's about how does, cons- and you're saying it, but I'll just put it in different words. The consumer changes. Mm-hmm. That's because that's all I ever track is I try to figure out what's going on with the consumer and cost of capital. Those are the only two things I care about in mass. Why the consumer? Well, they're my great competitor, right? They're, they're the person that can come in with three and a half percent down and frankly overpay for what I want as a rental unit, right? That's, that, that's who I compare with. And I think they're going to be impacted by this. Everything I read about the Great Depression is there were generations impacted by it. And we're only three months into this thing. And you're right, this could go on for 18 months, 24 months. And if that's true, the consumer will be impacted. We will become a nation of savers. If we go to become a nation of savers versus being a consumer-based economy, man, this is going to be a long road to hoe. Unemployment's going to stay above 10% for a long freaking time. Um, it's just, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, but again, go back to Warren Buffett and Sam Zell doing nothing is okay. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to do anything. You know, there, there's plenty of time. We're not going anywhere. We still aren't through this yet. It's not over. Even when we're reopened until we get to a point to where, you know, we've got this thing under control, anything can and will happen. I mean, it could come back with a vengeance. Now, unfortunately we have children small mm-hmm. children, preschool and elementary school age that are being affected by this that, that formerly weren't and didn't think they could. So, gosh, hopefully we can get control of that and that doesn't become a problem. If it starts affecting kids, this country's going to shut down quick. You oh, know, yeah. I mean, no that's going to be a whole different level. Yeah. It's, it's, I, mean, it's, I mean, right or wrong, right? It's one thing when it, when it impacts adult, adults disproportionately. But, yeah, you start, you start mm-hmm. impacting five-year-olds, oh, done. Yeah. Now – that's to say, what does this look like and when opening up? So as we start to open back up again, uh, you know, if we see, you know, resurgence and we see general controlled, you know, fatalities, I don't think you're going to see another shutdown. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, if it's, if it's within a certain demographic and it's yeah. within control, you yeah. know, you might see isolated areas like New York City might yeah. do something. Hot San spot. Francisco might do something, but not the whole country. I don't no. think the population is going to, to tolerate that. No, but if totally it affects agree. children, I guarantee you they will. Oh yeah. Oh, guaranteed. Yeah. I couldn't even imagine. All right, man. Well, let's, uh, you know, this again has been always fun. I love talking to you weekly. I, again, my takeaway from the week is the stock market's fake. It's a, it's a rigged casino. Uh, Warren Buffett, Sam Zell doing nothing. Uh, buying notes is, is risky. It's just, there's so many opportunities coming. I'm very excited, but again, nothing wrong with doing nothing for the next couple of months. It's the great experiment. What a title for today's show. You got it, man. I'm going to make that the title, buddy. Thank you very much. (laughs) Awesome. See you, Michael. Uh